The sermon text for this morning is Psalm 23. And uh, I, I got to say that yesterday, Saturday, was great preparation for Psalm 23. Laying down, uh, we actually literally laid down green grass. Uh, not allowed to lie in it yet, but we did lay it down. So, sorry, that's a bad joke. I just had to, we laid some sod yesterday. Now, here, here the invitation this morning from the Lord as we read uh, Psalm 23. You can be found on page 544 if you're reading along in the uh, Pew Bible. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, these are powerful words. Help us to really hear them with the ear of our hearts. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It got me a little bit reading that. It surprised me. The late Dallas Willard, a philosopher and humble disciple of Christ, writes that Psalm 23 reminds us disciples of Jesus that we have no reason ever to be anxious. Psalm 23 reminds us that this present world is a perfectly safe place for us to be. Willard goes on and says, I recognize how strange, even strained, it sounds to say this. Do you believe this? That this present world is a perfectly safe place to be? Do we have no reason ever to be anxious? Can you declare this with confidence? If you disagree with this statement, why would you disagree? I believe Psalm 23 presents a subversive vision of life. It subverts, it turns the tables on other visions of life that operate out of a sense of anxiety or scarcity or fear. And instead, it declares that there is a life of tangible abundance, a life of peace, a life of security. And this life is available under the care of the Good Shepherd. In other words, God indeed reigns over all. Despite what may appear to be evidence to the contrary, God reigns. And the safest place to be is in his care. 
because he cares for us like a good shepherd cares for his sheep. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have trials and difficulties and temptations. Instead, the promise, as Willard goes on to say, is a promise of unbroken care through whatever happens to us in life. If we don't really believe this, I'm afraid that much of the Bible will become kind of nice spiritual thoughts that don't really intersect with real life. If we don't really believe the promise, the rival vision of life that Psalm 23 presents, I think we make the Bible a little bit trivial. Maybe it's good for some good sentiment or platitude or coffee mugs in mediocre religious art. So I'd like us to to think through Psalm 23 really seriously and honestly. Not with naivete, but also not with cynicism. But with the openness that this could actually be a life that's possible to live. A life that we can live here and now and a life that lasts forever. Because I think God hopes for us, desires for us, wants us to experience a life that's abundant, refreshing. I think that gives him pleasure to see us living in his abundance, in his refreshment. A life that's overflowing, woven together through the thick and thin through, uh, woven together with his, with his threads of mercy and grace that will be with us forever, even amidst the suffering of this present age. I want to give you a little bit of a roadmap of what we'll do this morning. It'll be pretty simple. We're going to look first at the shepherd, what it means that the Lord is our shepherd. And then secondly, we'll look at what it means to be a sheep. So uh, let's look at the nature of our shepherd's unbroken care. Uh, a couple intro remarks as we, as we dive into Psalm 23 is, uh, is to say that this is a psalm of David, uh, a shepherd himself, as you may know, and one who experienced many difficulties throughout his life, who had many enemies. Uh, to me, it's interesting how God used David's circumstances as a shepherd to actually speak into his life and through him uh, to our lives as well. But I do want to note that uh, some of this language we need to approach with some caution because we probably don't live in a place where we see a lot of sheep and shepherds around. Uh, not in this area. So I think there's some really rich stuff in here that we can kind of unpack as we understand uh, more of what, what shepherds actually did and uh, how sheep normally operate. Uh, I also want to note that this, uh, the image of a shepherd w- is recurrent throughout the Old Testament. Uh, the Lord uh, was often referred to as a shepherd of Israel, as the shepherd of, of his people Israel. And Psalm 80, uh, verse 1 um, uh, reads, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Jeremiah 31, 10, he who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. Uh, another example is in Isaiah 40, 11, he tends to his flock like a shepherd. So uh, it's a recurrent image, this shepherd imagery, and uh, important to, to realize that as we read this this morning. So to begin with, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Or as uh, the newer NIV version writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
to me, it's amazing, first, to start with the fact that uh, put together, combined are uh, the images of the Lord and the image of a shepherd and the all-powerful creator, uh, the Lord, the God of Israel, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord and shepherd coming together. These characteristics, all-powerful creator and a shepherd who is intimately involved with the life of his sheep, these are not characteristics opposed in the nature of God. In fact, they come together. And then I like that, that David writes, the Lord is not the shepherd or our shepherd, which is true, but he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. The all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, and, and the, the shepherd who cares for his sheep brought together. And it's personal, my shepherd. It denotes relationship. Denotes uh, knowledge. And then as we keep going through the psalm, David takes on, really, the voice of a sheep under the care of the Lord, the good shepherd. Uh, It's really a psalm written from the perspective of a sheep. Um, And the thesis statement sort of for the psalm is that the sheep shall not be wanting. The sheep will lack nothing. And this is what it looks like to lack nothing. Um, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So we learn that the shepherd provides nourishment and sustenance. For the, for the sheep, it's food, green grass, and it's drink, quiet waters, those basic necessities of life for the sheep. The Lord supplies our needs as sheep. Now, the, to me, the interesting part is that uh, David writes, he makes me lie down in green grass. So it's not just a place of, of feasting, which green grass would be for a sheep. He, the sheep actually gets to lie down in its food. There's so much abundance that the sheep has had its fill and gets to lie down in that place of abundance. And evidently, as you read about sheep, it's, it's a really a, a, kind of a rare thing for a sheep to lie down. There's actually some conditions necessary for a, a sheep to be able to lie down. Uh, Philip Keller in his book, uh, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. He was a, a shepherd and noticed the behavior of sheep and brought that to, to Psalm 23. Writes this about sheep. He says, because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for sheep to be made to, to, be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. These four requirements are, one, the sheep needs to be free from all fear. Two, the sheep needs to be uh, free from friction with others of their kind. They need to be free from tormenting pests, flies or parasites. And the sheep needs to be free from hunger. So the fact that the Lord is a shepherd who uh, allows his sheep, that makes his sheep to lie down in green pastures, testifies to his, uh, his leading, his abundant leading, his leading that brings them um, uh, abundance of food, that there is rest and freedom from fear. The only one that can meet these requirements, Keller goes on, is the shepherd. A hungry, ill-fed sheep is ever on its feet, on the move, searching for another scanty mouthful of forage to try and satisfy its gnawing hunger. Such sheep are not contented. They do not thrive. They are of no use to themselves, nor do their owners. They languish and lack vigor and vitality. So if we believe that the Lord is truly both our shepherd 
and truly is the Lord, and must include believing that he will lead us to what we need. And even more, he will provide us the freedom in his care to be able to lie down, to surrender, and trust to him. David goes on to say, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. And then he says, He restores or he refreshes my soul. To me, this shows that it's only in the place of deep care, that place of deep trust, that our souls, the deepest part of who we are, can be restored and refreshed to health, to vitality. To me, it's telling that restoration and refreshing of the, of the soul comes after rest. Of course, that, that actually makes sense. But I wonder as we think of our lives as sheep under the care of the good shepherd, if we are sometimes tempted to feel guilty for resting, for just letting the Lord take care of us, to do what only he can do, which is to bring life to our souls. I do want to briefly note the interconnectedness of body and soul here. Maybe what we need, maybe what's missing for some of us, is rest. Ceasing from activity. I've noticed that when I do have times to cease, and it's hard to have time to cease, I'm more in touch with the fact that I actually do have a soul, (laughs) that I do have an interior world, and that God is speaking into it. It's hard to hear that voice amid a flurry of activity. So the good shepherd restores our souls. Then he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd knows where the sheep need to go, in other words. This is who he is. This is in his character. It's his name's sake to guide us to where we need to be. That's just who he is. There's no time in which God is not guiding you to where you need to be. The only question is whether or not we're being attentive to it. Can you imagine a shepherd purposely leading a sheep down a wrong path? I can. But right after saying that, it's interesting that that David goes on to say that sometimes we'll be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Just because the shepherd's leading leading doesn't mean the life's going to be easy or without uh, darkness. Life's hard. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, also translated as, even though I walk through the uh, darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 is not naive to the reality of darkness and death in the world. We've all experienced this. For sheep, there's the threat of wolves, the threat of getting lost. There's poisonous weeds. There's cliffs. For us, there's evil in the world. There's evil in us. There's physical threats, relational threats. There's the threat of the unknown. And there's a real evil one that seeks to kill, lie, destroy us. But the promise for the sheep and for us is that we don't have to be afraid, even in the presence of darkness. Though the darkness can seem all-encompassing, 
David, David writes of, of a bigger reality, a stronger one. And that reality is the reality of the presence of the Lord. The shepherd with us in the midst of a valley. Not on the other side of the valley. Not at, you know, the opening of the valley, but right there in the valley with us. I was thinking topographically about valleys, you know, because valleys. A U-shape, I guess, is what comes to mind. I grew up in the valley, a big valley. But, and it, when I think about a valley and I think of sheep going through a valley, what I realize is there's, there's actually less room for the sheep and the shepherd to be separated. The very nature of being kind of hemmed in uh, by, by the, the mountains that surround the valley is that you're brought into closer proximity to the shepherd. I think that's the same for us when we go through our dark valleys. There's an opportunity to be even closer to the shepherd. I think it's telling that the language switches from the Lord is my shepherd and kind of the me language to uh, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You notice how the language changes to you? You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they come from me. There's almost a greater awareness of the Lord's proximity there. The shepherd does not want us to be alone. He wants to show us that we're not alone. And this is what it's all about, in my mind. God's dream for us is to be with him, to know how close he is to us, to know we can live life with him and have a life that flows out of uh, his presence and proximity to us. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, the the divinity school I went to. I went to Duke Divinity School, and... uh, they had a kind of a big archway uh, where the exit from the Divinity School was. And on the archway was a quote from John Wesley. And it said this, Best of all, God is with us. Those are John Wesley's last words. When he died, when he was 88, uh, his friends recounted. Uh, he had his friend, uh, he, they all gathered around him, and he would grab their hands and repeatedly say, Farewell, farewell. Uh, but at the very end, when he was kind of uttering his his last words and summing up his last breath, he uh, gathered up his strength and cried out, the best of all is God is with us. Then he lifted his arms up and raised his feeble voice again and said, best of all, God is with us. God is with us. Is there any better thing? Can there be any better thing? He's with us and he protects us. He guides us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Sheep are pretty defenseless animals. I, I'm not afraid. I, I tend to stay away from, you know, animals if they are threatening. I can't imagine a sheep being threatening. Maybe somebody has some other record of a sheep attacking them or something. But what are they going to do, bite you with their small little mouth or something? I, I just can't imagine a sheep being too, uh, too ornery. Maybe they can be. They're so soft and wooly and stuff. You know, it's sheep. Who's afraid of sheep? Uh, so you can imagine they're, they're, they're pretty defenseless. Um, it's only in the diligent, constant awareness of the shepherd that they're safe. For us, if God's with us, who can be against us? Who can stand against us? Let's go on in the psalm. Uh, David writes, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Note finally that 
there's been a transition from the language of a sheep to that of a, a human person. And we transition to the scene where the Lord is hosting David. In Middle Eastern culture, to, to host somebody was to identify yourself with them in a profound way. It was a very just powerful symbol of belonging to eat with someone, to host them. The Lord serves us. Nothing we do to, to deserve it, but he prepares a place for us. I wonder what it would be like to think of the Lord as our generous host in life. That our lives, the details of our lives, as the meal he has prepared for us. How would that change the way we view our circumstances? I'm not saying that, uh, you know, something pity like everything happens for a reason. Things happen for all kinds of reasons. God gives us our freedom, our agency to do different things. But what if we saw our life circumstances as a place where the Lord, as a gracious host as he is, desires to work in those circumstances? To see, say, I've prepared a way for you to thrive in these circumstances. I've prepared, prepared a way for you to have a feast amid whatever things come up in life. I'm your host. Not only that, he anoints our heads with oil in that place of being hosted. Oil was a symbol of gladness, festivity, blessing. And he anoints us one by one on the head with this oil of blessing, choosing. He anoints us to the, to the degree in which it's overflowing from our cups. We're provided uh, a summary statement. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord who is goodness, who is love, is always with us. We can make our home with him. A home that starts here and now and a home that lasts forever. Such an all-encompassing vision of life, this psalm. It's daring. So what do we do as sheep? How do you be a good sheep? I think it's clear from the psalm that the way to be a good sheep is to be attentive to the shepherd, to trust him. He knows what he's doing. We can follow his voice and find pasture. Good sheep realize the shepherd will bring them to abundance, to refreshing. And they realize that the best life it's possible to live is the life under the care of the shepherd. Jesus takes this up in John 10, 10. We heard it read earlier. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we follow him believing that, our full, that the full life our shepherd offers is really full life. It really is the best way to live. So the key then, again, is, is to grow in awareness of our good shepherd's voice. To follow where he leads and to begin to live life by the resources that he offers. It's a choice. Now, the resources that the shepherd offers... Um, are subversive, as I said earlier. And one of the ways in which they're subversive is that they're different from the way in which most folks live their lives. 
And one of the reasons it's difficult to live by these resources is that they're often invisible. He gives us the resource of strength from his presence. He gives us peace from knowing that he's leading. Real power, real guidance, real peace. And this all comes from us admitting that we're not in control, that we're not running the show, that the good shepherd uh, is in control. Now, this comes into conflict with other ways of living life, of other resources. We're, we're prone to put our, our, uh, our life in the hands of other resources, mostly things we feel like we can control, like money or entertainment or work or fame or other people. But these things show, uh, as time shows, are always ephemeral. They don't last. And these things, more telling, is that they produced anxiety. All these things are bound to produce anxiety. You know why? Because we know that they're scarce. If, if our security and identity is in one of these things, then our security is really in the balance. It could easily be taken away. But if our security, our resource for living, our, our, our vision of life is in the unchanging shepherd God, the God who lays down his life for the sheep in Jesus, we can have peace and confidence Enjoy amid the suffering that's bound to be experienced in this, in this day and age. And we, more than that, we know that not even death can separate us from his love. When I read Romans eight thirty seven through 39, I hear Psalm 23. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the life we're invited to. So for us, it's important to create space to be cared for by God. If this is the most powerful resource for living, then we should prioritize times to be refreshed by him, by our good shepherd. Of course, other things seem more immediate, more visible. Uh, but if we run ahead of the shepherd, we'll miss out on that abundant life. God really wants us to live out of that place of refreshment. As countercultural as that is, God wants us to live out of a place of refreshment, restoration, to live out of that place of freedom that comes from being bound to him. We say, well, we don't have time. That just means we we think other things are more important, basically, is when you say, I don't have time. It's costly, but I think the options for, for not seeking to be cared for by uh, our good shepherd, not choosing that's more costly. So one real practical way is to just recite this in your memory. I, I'm sure many of you have memorized Psalm 23. I mean, even the King James Version, it's a beautiful version. Um, and if you haven't memorized it, I, I encourage you to memorize it. And whenever you have a moment of downtime, instead of flipping to your smartphone, which is what I'm prone to do, I invite you to dwell in this psalm, to dwell in the house of the Lord through it, to let the Lord speak to you through it. 
And I'd like to end with this, too. It's easy to think about what this means for us, but I really do uh, believe that as we experience the abundant life that can be found uh, in the Good Shepherd, that uh, as the psalmist, as David wrote of his cup overflowing, that our lives can overflow to others as well. That we can be a source of refreshment for others. I, I believe our experience of the shepherd's love and care is meant to, to spill out to others. That they might know the rich way of life available to them. So maybe the best thing we can do for others is to create space for them to be cared for and led by the good shepherd. So, uh, for your family members or your friends, maybe the most loving thing you can do uh, is to take the kids a while, kids for a while, and, and encourage, not coerce, but encourage uh, your friend or family member to spend some time with God. To bless that. To prioritize that. Um, creating space for them to experience God's wonderful thing to do. Or for uh, the ways in which you reach out to non-Christians, folks that don't know the Good Shepherd. I wonder if hosting them like the Good uh, Shepherd has hosted us could be a way in which they experience the abundance of the Lord. Invite them to your table. Seek to care for them. Anoint them, not with real oil. That might be weird for them. But with words of grace. Testifying through action and words too. The good shepherd who longs to lead them into life. So what is the shepherd inviting you to this morning? I invite you to hear his voice this day. to believe that there is another way to live. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we pray we would know your care this day. We would know your love this day. That we would heed your invitation to live a life in communion with you. Lord, and as we lead that life, may others come to know your abundant love and grace. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.